Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Broadcasting Network, your home for professional development. My name is Jeff Bradbury, and welcome to the TeacherCast podcast. On today's program, we're going to be talking all about robotics and some of the things that you can be doing when you bring two very special robots into your classroom. Before we get to that, there's, of course, several great ways that you can reach out and be a part of this and all of our shows. You can find us on Twitter at TeacherCast. Leave us a voice message over on TeacherCast.net slash voicemail. Email us at feedback at TeacherCast.net, and, of course, you can subscribe to this and all of our shows over on teachercast.net slash iTunes and teachercast.net slash YouTube. And welcome back. My name is Jeff Bradbury. I am your host today. And if you are watching this, please take a moment and hit that subscribe button. Of course, you can find all of our shows over on YouTube. And if you want to have professional development brought right to your inbox each and every week, I highly recommend you take a moment to subscribe to this and all of our shows over on TeacherCast. Today we're going to be talking to Brian Miller, the Education Community Manager for a great company called Wonder Workshop. I recently had the opportunity to check out their robots. They are Dot and Dash. You might have seen these things floating around your school. They are fantastic little robots that my three-year-olds have been using. I want to bring them on the program today to talk all about how this can be used in your classroom to create amazing content. And then we have a special guest later on in our program. Brian, welcome to the program. How are you? Welcome to TeacherCast. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate you uh, having me join today. Thanks. Thank you so much. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I've been in education for the past 15 years. I was a kindergarten teacher. I was a K through five computer teacher. And then I was the director of educational technology at the second largest private independent school in the United States located in South Florida. Uh, and I've been in that, I was in that role for uh, about five years and decided I wanted to try something different. Uh, being in education for my entire life, I wanted to uh, expand and, and make a larger impact in education. I started speaking professionally. Uh, you know, doing the circuit of uh, conferences and starting my own consulting company for talking about educational toys and play. And I came across Wonder Workshop back in their Kickstarter phase. So at that time, I decided, you know, let's let's chat with them a little bit and learn a little bit more. And I quickly learned that they didn't have educators working for them at that time. So they created a role for me as educator community manager. And I joined Wonder Workshop as the first educator on staff about a year and a half ago. So I've been loving this career change and I actually surprisingly spend more time in the classroom now than I ever did as a school administrator. So it's, it's been an awesome change for me. And of course, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We're talking all about Dot and Dash, these amazing little robots. You can find out all the information about them over on their website, makewonder.com. Brian, talk to us a little bit about what Dot and Dash are. I mean, these things are cute. They're little pieces of, of roboticness. What can we do with these things? Yeah, so these are educational robots that have been, been designed specifically to teach children starting in kindergarten on up how to code. And we do that through visual programming language. It gives, it's the founding, uh, the building blocks, the foundation that they need to get started to visualize the concepts of coding. And it shows them through physical coding, um, how to make something come to life from learning some of those basics. So there are two robots that are designed to be placed into the classroom or in the, the lives of the consumer and give children the opportunity to play, explore, and expand their knowledge of computer science. Now you had said make things come to life. Let's talk a little bit about that because I've been recently working with this with my three and a half year olds and they absolutely love the, the 
plethora of free iPad apps, and we were making them spin and change colors and chase after the other two triplets. And, and there's a lot of things that you can do with them. What is one of those things that anybody who's new to this wants to try for the first time? Well, I think one of the first things that you do as soon as you take it out of the box is the experience of turning it on for the very first time and seeing it come to life. And one of the differentiators for us is the fact that the robots are ready to use right out of the box. There is no construction that needs to be done. There really is nothing else beyond opening up, as you mentioned, one of our five free apps. So the first thing that children want to do when they open up the robots is to make Dash drive around. I mean, Dash is the showstopper. That's the one that everyone seems to go to. And uh, Dot is often underrepresented for some reason, but Dot is definitely the brains of the operation. With children wanting to move Dash around, they forget and don't realize that Dot can be programmed based on movement and motion. So we have games and activities built into the apps that teach children how to toss the robots around, how to make uh, Dot or how to make Dot control Dash by moving it throughout space. So, um, you know, the interactivity of getting Dash to move and Dot to move as well through movement are two of the big things that, that are straight out of the box, a must have for students or children to do. Now, one of the things that you had said that you are with Wonder Workshops is the community manager, and we have one of those members of your community today. He, you, you might have known him. He is our co-host on the Tech Educator podcast and the recent author of a fantastic book, uh, Programming in the Primary Grades. I want to bring on our good friend Sam Patterson. Sam, how are you today? I'm doing great, Jeff. Thanks. Now, talk to us a little bit about this. You, uh, you've used Dot and Dash before, haven't you? In my classroom, Dot and Dash are an important member of my robot team, and we use them a lot for narrative storytelling, things that we can really capitalize on their personality. Uh, so oftentimes, if students have been reading a story and we want to kind of do an adaptation of it or think about a solution to it, we can give them Dot and Dash as characters to live in part of that story. The other thing that we really enjoy using them for is uh, games where you have to run something into something else because Dash is really, really, really good at running into things. And you can code Dot to react to falling off of things. Now, Brian, let me ask you a question here. Sam has obviously been using Dot and Dash way way, way, way long here. But there's so many teachers that are out there right now that maybe are, are getting into robotics for the first time. What advice do you have for those first timers and how do they get from being, you know, beginner STEM teachers into more advanced uh, users and teachers of it? Yeah. So what we're seeing right now is this, um, this change in role for a lot of teachers. Either they are becoming STEM coordinators, they're becoming makerspace teachers, they're becoming, you know, uh, reorganizing their library into having some more of these interactive stations. But what we also see is that these people are starting coding and robotics for the very first time. Uh, Sam is definitely a pro. Uh, he's one of the go-tos to talk about this specifically. Um, and one of the things that I often tell teachers when they're first getting started um, is to find a, a product that they feel comfortable with, whether it's Dash and Dot or whether it's something else. They need to be able to feel comfortable in what they're doing. It shouldn't be forced on their end. So in our case, we've created a product that is really simple to use out of the box that you can place in front of students and, with very little knowledge on teaching the subject 
and you're able to see the students immediately start succeeding. And sometimes that's enough to get a teacher excited to get started and start exploring on their own. Oftentimes what we see is teachers will pick up a product or purchase a product or be given a product by someone in the school and tell them they have to use this and they pass it off to the students, but they don't have any buy-in on that product yet because they're uncomfortable in this area because it's so new to them. So seeing those student successes is definitely step one. Put it in front of the students, put it in their hands, and let them show you how to do it. They're resilient, they'll figure it out. Um, and then from there, once the teachers see success, oftentimes they will begin to jump in and try it a little bit more. Now, starting for the very first time and needing to know some background knowledge in this, uh, which with Dash and Dot you don't, but for a teacher that's looking for that, we provide teachers with those resources. So we provide them what they need to start teaching a class, how to get started, how many to have, what to design your classroom like, um, how your students should be interacting with the robots, some basic rules for a classroom. We've done a lot of that legwork for a teacher that they can take our product and our resources and immediately start using it with those students. So for a teacher that's just getting started, my number one goal for them is to feel success within the first three minutes. And we try to do that as often as possible when we're out working with teachers. When we go into a classroom for the first time bringing the robots or when a teacher's uh, interacting with us at one of our conference spaces, we give them a goal and we give them the opportunity to succeed within three minutes. And within those three minutes, those teachers are immediately sold. And not only are they sold on using the product, but they're also sold on saying, wow, I really see where this can fit into my classroom. So those successes are really important for those teachers. And I absolutely agree with those three minutes. You know, again, I, I got to keep going back. I was doing this with my three and a half year olds on the iPad, and it was just the point to the color and drag the colored thing to the other colored thing. And he got the idea that because it's basically scratch programming, you have to drag it underneath. And when he clicked, he looks at me and goes, I did it. And I'm going, yes three years old. We're coding. We're doing a great thing. I want to get back to what you were saying, helping teachers figure out what to buy. Now, am I correct in thinking that Dot and Dash are always a set or do you buy one or do they come in both? Um, is it a one size fits all? Tell us a little bit about the way you order or purchase these and, and don't forget to share, share with us where you purchase these. Yeah. So you can purchase them through uh, www.makewonder.com and on our website, we have uh, the ability to purchase through us directly. But there's also a large number of resellers that sell these products as well. They're educational resellers. You can purchase them on Amazon. You can purchase them at Best Buy, Barnes & Noble, Target, Apple stores. So we're all over the place. Um, so wherever is the most convenient for you to acquire these, you can purchase them. But they do come individually and they come in sets as well. So we have a number of different sets that you can purchase them in based on the number of robots that are provided in those sets. So we've created educational SKUs that are specific for the classroom that include a certain number of robots based on your need, all the way up to you know a full school set that you can implement and use within a makerspace or a library or use as a checkout system, or you can buy them individually. So you don't have to have Dash and Dot together to have fun coding. You can purchase Dot to start, and then you can move on to the maneuverability of Dash, which is what I recommend teachers to do. Oftentimes I see teachers immediately dive into Dash and start the moving around. But this is their first time dealing with a movable robot in a classroom. So now you're not only dealing with devices and students being excited and engaged, now you're also dealing with 
space and how it's going to fit into your classroom and rearranging everything. So what I like about Dot is it's handheld. I can program it based on shaking, moving up and down, left, right, tilting, turning, dropping forward. Um, and then I can move from there and teach those basic programming functions and get them to move on to actually maneuvering and manipulating an environment in a physical world. So that's when Dash would come in. Um, so that's usually the, the scope that I recommend for schools that are looking to adopt for the very first time. So, Brian, I'm going to say something that I've never said to anybody on over 700 podcasts, which is you had me from the xylophone. This is a free app that you can find on the app stores and stuff, and it basically turns your dash into a xylophone playing music box. I absolutely love this, and this is fun for kids, too. Yeah, well, you're, I mean, now you're teaching coding through music as well. So with the number of different accessories that we offer, whether it's the xylophone, whether it's the launcher for teaching physics, whether it's uh, our bulldozer, whether it's bunny ears just for dressing them up, or the Lego connectors. I mean, there's tons of ways that you can expand and build. And we have some new accessories that we're going to be uh, launching shortly after ISTE as well that we'll be keeping an eye out for. That's pretty now, cool. Now, I wanted to uh, jump in here for a second and, and linger a little bit on the xylophone. Because early on in my coding adventure, I got to hear the founder of Wonder Workshop talk about why the xylophone. And it opened my eyes to the importance of getting students tuned in to sequence. And one of the magic things about music is they already know what is right and what is wrong. So if you have a song like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star or Mary Had a Little Lamb, the kids know when that's right. So if you give them a tool to allow them to program that song, they can self-regulate as far as, you know, making corrections, iterating through buggy, bugs. And it's really amazing that now the work that I do with robotics, we always pretty much one way or another start at music because the kids get it and it gets them familiar with the code and they can move on to doing even more complex things. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with, with what you're sharing, and, and that was the design for what Vikas created originally, um, because like you said, it's self-regulating, and it provides those students the ability to know immediately whether they were successful or not, and that's what we want, and it's really hard at times to look at code on a screen and know if it was successful. Even when you're programming uh, you know, a game on a device, it's hard, because you're waiting to see, oh, well okay, I qu can't quite understand what the left turn is, but when you see it in person, when you see it in real life, it makes it totally different. Um, and then the same goes with the way Dash plays the xylophone. It's his head movement. So you know immediately if it was programmed in the right direction or not, but they've simplified it and made it really easy because it's based on colors. So again, they can easily do sequencing, they can quickly and easily do looping, and they're building music and songs that they're already familiar with. So, Sam, I want to ask you the question I've asked you many mm -hmm. times on our shows. Is this considered coding or programming and why? Well, this is programming because the students are working with a programming language. That programming language is built essentially on code. And with young students, we almost always have a programming language and interface that is pre-built chunks of code. And as students get more... Uh, comfortable with co programming concepts as well as advanced literacy syntax, they can move into using less chunked, less macroed 
uh, programming interfaces. <laughs> very, very cool. Brian, talk to us a little bit about what these things can do. I mean, okay, let's say that you're listening to this podcast for the first time and maybe you're in your car, so you don't have an idea for what this is. Dot is a little spherical. Uh, droid is not the right word, correct? It's just it's a spherical robot. Dash, of course, has a, a movable head up on top and he's got a, a tricycle on the bottom for, for two, two wheels and a base here. Um, can they, and, and I'm asking this as the father of triplets, but I'm also asking this as the teacher, can they drop? Do they break? Can they, you know, if you accidentally hit them the wrong way, how fragile, how durable do, they make, do you make these things, especially in the elementary grades? Yeah, so it's honestly incredible the amount of dropping that will occur within a classroom with any product that's out there, uh, whether you control it or not. Um, I can tell you that these are toy tough robots. These were designed to take a beating. We've dropped them from, you know, six foot tables. I've dropped them from almost 15 feet off a stairwell accidentally. That was Dot. Um, and they survive. It's incredible what, they, what, they able, what they're able to do and how sturdy they are as a product. Now, obviously, there are some things you cannot do because they are electrical mechanical toys. You can't be driving them through sand. You can't be rolling them through water. Um, but that's pretty much standard across many electrical devices anyway. So those are things that you have to be careful of. But as far as daily use within the classroom, um, these things will take a beating and they will last a really long time. And our warranty on these is uh, a year after purchase. And we have very few returns because of the durability of the robots. The other thing that's incredibly durable is the battery life. So the battery is one of the things that sets us apart, and as we are the leading um, we are the leading robots in the industry for battery life and playtime. So you get three hours of play for one hour of charge. So that means you can charge these robots the first half of the day, get enough time to use them before lunch, charge them over lunch, and then have them for the second half of the school day. And you're not swapping out robots time and time again. And you're purchasing less robots because of that. So that makes it a lot easier for schools, especially budget-wise. Um, but these are durable as far as construction goes, durable as far as battery life goes. They're going to last you quite some time. Now, Sam, recently you wrote a blog post over at MyPaperlessClassroom.com on how to use robotics to support curricular topics. Did you talk to us a little bit about that post? Sure. Uh, the important thing about using robotics to support curricular topics is you've got the curricular topics already. And what I love about robots is you can actually use robots as a tool to get students to work collaboratively and to work more slowly and spend more time on something than you would otherwise. With elementary teachers, oftentimes when we're talking about, well, how would I design a lesson for robots? I say you take something you're doing on your desk, make it bigger and put it on the floor. So if they're doing a matching worksheet, great. Let's put a matching worksheet literally on the floor and have the robot drive from one spot to the other. You know, it's simple. And by the end of one lesson doing that, any teacher is going to have about 12 more ideas about how they can convert things because the, f the lesson is fundamentally the same. What you're differing is your mode of work. And elementary teachers especially, I think, are always looking for meaningful ways and reasons to have kids work in groups. And if you have one robot per three kids, 
you can do one third of your math lesson as an interactive robot experience that's based on exactly the same sheet you had earlier. You just took that those problems and you put the answers on the ground. And as the students figured out what the next answer was, they had to program the robot to get there. The website is makewonder.com. Brian, before we let you leave, I know that you're the community manager over at Wonder Workshops, which means you get a chance to work with teachers from all around the globe. How does a teacher get involved with the program and reach out to, to ask questions and to be a part of this community? Yeah, so we have a number of different ways that teachers can get involved. Uh, one of those ways is the most popular, which is our annual robotics competition. And Sam's actually wearing the robotics competition t-shirt for coaches this past year. Uh, yep. But we had over 15,000 students from over uh, 52 countries throughout the world participating in the robotics competition this past year. And it's a free way to get involved in bringing robotics into your classroom. So it's a really fun way to do that. Uh, there are uh, other ways to get involved in the community. We have a community group across a couple of different channels. We have our Facebook community group, which is facebook.com forward slash teach wonder. We have a community group on EdWeb that we sponsor. So uh, EdWeb is one of the, the way areas that we do webinars on as well once a month. But that's a way that you can get involved in a community of growing educators in this field. And then we, on our website, we have a community that we host internally that is a great resource for educators to talk to others who are using Dash and Dot within the classroom, looking for tools, looking for resources, looking for great ideas for implementation, or just to have conversations and meet up with each other and reach out to each other for some, for some further ideas and get in contact with us directly at Wonder Workshop. So you can sign up through that by going to teachers.makewonder.com. So those are some of the ways that you can get involved in our community. And we keep our community involved in a number of different ways. We reach out to them quite often to beta test products, to go through new curricular items, to pass ideas along for new I, new products that we may be coming out with. Um, and if you join the community, you can kind of get a hint as to what we're working on at any given time. So it's a really cool way to stay up to date with what we're working on with inside of Wonder Workshop. I definitely recommend you checking that on their Facebook groups and, of course, on all of their social media stuff. Uh, Sam, before we let you go, where do we learn more about the great things happening in your social networks? You can find everything I'm doing at mypaperlessclassroom.com and beyondthehourofcode.com. And Brian, one more time, where do we learn all the great stuff about Wonder Workshop? So you can follow us on Twitter at Wonder Workshop or Instagram underscore Wonder Workshop or our Facebook page, www.facebook.com forward slash teach wonder or visit our website, www.makewonder.com. Well, my friends, that wraps up another episode of the TeacherCast podcast. I want to thank our friends over at Wonder Workshop and My Paperless Classroom for joining us today and sharing their passions for robots. There's, of course, several ways that you can reach out and be a part of the TeacherCast Educational Broadcasting Network. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at TeacherCast. Leave us a voicemail over at TeacherCast.net slash voicemail. Email us at feedback at TeacherCast.net. And please take a moment and subscribe to us on iTunes and YouTube over at TeacherCast.net slash iTunes and TeacherCast.net slash YouTube. On behalf of everybody here in the TeacherCast Educational Broadcasting Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students.